Good morning and welcome to Mad Village on 98.9 Northwest FM. You're here with myself, Jaime, and with Carol. Good morning, Carol. Hi, how are you, Jaime? I'm very well. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm extremely well, actually. How about yourself, Carol? Yes, I'm I'm in a very good mood. The um, It's a bit bleak and rainy in Melbourne this morning, but in our hearts, the sun is shining. What an amazing election result we had on the weekend. Yes, that's right. I was I was very happy that um, what I would describe as the the, the stupidest ever run by a Liberal Party was not successful. Indeed, <laughs> and the uh, campaign run by the uh, Murdoch Press was not successful either, which is just as encouraging. Oh, did you did you watch? Did you see the headline, the the front page of the Herald Sun the following day? I did indeed. <laughs> <laughs> that was completely um, oblivious to the fact that uh, there had been a dance line. <laughs> <laughs> They are extraordinary, and, and I really, I think, to me, that's the biggest message. We can talk about the um, the contesting parties and the, the policies and how people responded to those policies, but to me, the really big issue we need to keep talking about is the appalling state of our mainstream media. I just think it really needs to be called out. Yes, um, for the next few weeks, it'll also be enjoyable to, to watch um, the Liberal Party imploding a little bit. <laughs> oh, I, I, I try not to be too sadistic, but yeah, it will be entertaining. Anyway, um, on other things, um, what's happening today? Well, we've got some amazing young artists coming in today. And uh, like most artists, they are brilliant at their craft, but they're not too good with punctuality. So uh, <laughs> they'll be here soon. But in the meantime, we're going to play some of our favourite music. Is that correct? That's right. So this morning we'll be talking to Outer Urban Projects, an organisation that supports local artists in the northern suburbs of Melbourne. Um, and I thought it would be very fitting to start with a young artist from Spain who is actually now becoming a worldwide sensation. Sounds fantastic. And who I, is that? We've played her before here, but this is another uh, hit called Malamente. Her name is Rosalia. So let's uh, listen to this. Get things organized? Yes. Bill, this is a horrible sacrilege to do this to Cecil McLaurin, but um, in the interest of time and trying to get on with our interview, Carol, I think it's we had to do it. So we heard two tracks. The first one was Malamente by Rosalia, and the second one was uh, Visions by Cecil McLaurin Salvon. So um, we're here with our guests already this morning. Uh, we want to say hi to Kate Gillick and Irene Vela from Out, uh, Outer Urban Projects, OUP. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So how are we doing both? Yeah, we're doing well. It's early morning. I mean, I feel sorry for, for Nia because uh, our, um, one of our OUP artists, because she's got to sing and play in the morning. It's really hard to do. Well, uh, also for any renowned artist, um, even waking up in the morning is a bit of a sacrilege as well. Totally. It's not a good thing for musicians <laughs> and singers. So maybe um, we might just get you, Kate, to tell us a little bit about um, outer urban projects to start with? Well, we are a very unique Melbourne-based company. We began uh, around five years ago. Uh, Irene, myself, um, and some other um, wonderful um, arts workers uh, um, founded the company and we have been going great guns ever since. So we run a number of programs for... W 
we really concentrate on developing uh, young performing artists in the outer north of Melbourne, but also providing uh, performing arts activity and engagement and programming where it doesn't exist in the outer north as well. So we run a whole number of projects and programs. Irene's our artistic director. Very, very lucky to have her. She's a composer. She's a director. She's a wonderful musician and she has an incredible history in working herself with um, community and now with young people with outer urban projects as well as working across many professional contexts in film, television and theatre and music theatre and opera she's written and she's composed operas so we we just have this great swag of skill within the company in order to impart to our young people we run community access programs major projects for presentations in independent theatres and on main stages like we've just been at the Melbourne Recital Centre we've been many times to uh, Melbourne Festival we work locally we just did a project down uh, out at um broadmeadows yesterday for a showcase for a number of young artists so we're a company dedicated to to working with young people and bringing out their strengths and providing a platform and opportunities for them Kate, I was just going to ask what your background is. Are you an artist yourself? I was. Uh, I worked for a long time as an actor. Um, Irene and I worked for a company called the Melbourne Workers' Theatre, which was a very uh, radical, uh, progressive and, and very good theatre company that ran for over 20 years in Melbourne. So and that's where I've seen you before. Ah, there you go. <laughs> so I worked as an actor and a writer with the company. Then I, I, I worked, um, I went and retrained in, in writing for film and television and worked in documentary and some television drama and then um, began working in this area which I completely loved where all these young people just came out of the woods um, and and wanted to engage with the performing arts and with storytelling, uh, with narrative, um, with many different art forms. So I've been doing this now um, for five years with this company and then for a number of years before. Um, and talking about young people, we should say good morning to Nia. Hi. <laughs> who's here with us and hopefully she's going to play a few tracks. Um, now, Kate, you keep uh, mentioning, uh, you know, talking about OUP as a company, but it's a not-for-profit organization, right? Correct. But, yeah. you know, not-for-profits have to work as a business. Oh, so no, we work right. really hard on the money line, but we are a not-for-profit performing arts company. I suppose when I, I emphasize company because... We are very much about um, building the resources um, and so we obviously um, are reliant on government grants, um, both at its uh, state, federal and local level. Um, we're very well supported by the philanthropic sector, but we also um, we also do fee-for-service. We, we do social enterprise work, so some projects and one-off events um, we bring in fees in order to pay our artists. And so that's a really important part of the not-for-profit business and brings independence as well. Now, one of the things I'm really excited about this morning is the possibility to hear some live music. And also what's going to be great is that for once we're going to be able to uh, publish our podcast without removing the music because I'm sure that Nia will be quite happy to share it. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's putting her on the spot, isn't it? <laughs> so, Nia... Um, would would you be happy to play something for us now to uh, start yeah, with? Sure. Uh, uh, so um, the first song that I'm gonna be playing is Bailey Mornings, and I perform it at a lot of events because um, it was the first one that I wrote and performed by myself. Wow. Uh, and yeah. So yeah. before before we get you to play, can you tell us a, a little bit about yourself? You know where where did you grow up? 
Um, yeah, well, um, that's an interesting question. <laughs> I was um, born in England and I lived there for till I was about five. Um, we, uh, we lived in London first and then Devon, which is like a further yeah. out, um, smaller kind of townish kind of uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and then we moved over to uh, Melbourne when I was about six because um, my granddad lived here um, and also because like better life opportunities um, kind of the middle child there so it's not like I've had to forge my own path mm. or anything um, yeah and my uh, yeah okay beautiful <laughs> and what, what so you're ready to play something then yeah beautiful yeah. <laughs> so this is a song you've written yourself yes Great, and it's called uh, Belly Mornings. Lovely. Right. I sit alone inside my head, knowing nothing but dread. And then I'm told tomorrow the sun will rise. Nights, barely morning. 
and the searching Losing keys Flicking street lights Aching feet I think the world has All gone mad Or maybe I have That was beautiful. Thank Excellent. You. <laughs> Nia, tell us your surname as well. What's your surname? Uh, Dove Adoti. Beautiful. And, oh, is, you wouldn't be related to Ian Adoti. Yes. That's oh, my, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Oh. <laughs> He's a good friend. All right. <laughs> beautiful. Um, and tell us, how, how old are you? I am now 18. Beautiful. And apart from playing music, what, what are you doing? Um, so I've just finished uh, high school, so I'm uh, still um, applying for uni courses at the moment. Um, so I am kind of at two super opposite ends of the spectrum. I uh, either want to do animation, which I've applied for, and then um, or engineering, uh, mechatronic engineering, which is basically just robots, um, like put simply. So yeah. Well, that was absolutely beautiful, um, and I'm so glad that we're going to hear two more songs from you, so that's ex excellent. So now, um, <laughs> back to um, Irene and, and Kate. Um, if you could tell us a little bit about, I guess, how OUP works on the ground, some of the things that you do on a, on a regular basis, and then some of the things that you do maybe... Um, as you know, one offs. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, on, on the ground, Nia is an example of really very on the ground. I think Nia, you began with us how many years ago? Um, yeah, uh, I want to say. Do uh, you think? Yeah, I want to say like uh, I was fourteen. So like fourteen. So it's yeah. So there's an example. We have um, like we do tutorials, free tutorials, and workshops in many genres: dance, um, singing, songwriting, rap. Um, dance and Nia joined our singing workshops mm -hmm. and they're always a mix because people who sing sometimes bring their own material or sometimes people want to do Beyonce covers it's mm -hmm. all valid and we provide singing tutors to hey, come on what's wrong with Beyonce I love Beyonce <laughs> <laughs> I love her but I also really love new material too yeah, that um, of course, of course. and it's quite extraordinary to have such a very young um, singer and composer because uh, I mean it's a the, the composition is of a very, very high standard at such a young age. Indeed. And the lyrics as well. So that's on the ground. So Nia's been with us for four years and you've been uh, developing your songwriting craft but also your singing craft. So that's what yeah. we do on the ground. Um, and then also what we do on the ground is provide performance opportunities um, and they can be really, um, you know, uh, everyday uh, performance opportunities. Well, they're not actually everyday but it could be the Faulkner Festa. A variety of community um, uh, showcases but we also do major works and that's where we create new Australian works with the material of our young um, creators uh, and we will give them as much support as possible so for example we did a show called Grand Divisions a few years ago which utilized a 35-piece string orchestra a rhythm section lights the whole the whole shebang um and our performers and creators shined in that environment and that was part of the melbourne festival and i would hope that nia we would be able to give nia that type of support and performance opportunity um 
So oh. we do dance works as well. So we did a dance theatre work called Vessel at the Art Centre. Mm. So in a nutshell, it's it's the workshops, tutorials, the linkage work with community showcase events and these really quite high-profile outcomes. I was going to ask, um, are most of your workshops for young people for free? Yes. They're, they're for free. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. They're all, they're so four years. Nee's had four years of weekly workshops. workshops. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm being a bit disingenuous here because I'm talking as if I didn't know anything about er, outer urban projects, but indeed they are at Banksia pretty much every week. Yes. So <laughs> yes. So um, we we run a lot. We run programs at Oxygen, mm. which is in North Kobe where Nia uh, goes. But we also uh, work in broad broad meadows in a variety of suburbs in uh, in the outer well throughout the outer north reservoir. Um, Broad Meadows, Dallas, you name it. We're, we're sort of, uh, of course, we work elsewhere as well. We'll, we'll we'll go wherever there's a demand, but that's our beat, as it were. No, Kate, I I'd like you to maybe spend a couple of minutes telling us a little bit about organisations that support OUP. I'm sure your your funders will be happy to get a bit of a mention. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Are that? Are you going to go for the funders first? I was well, going to mention no. people like Banksia community <laughs> organisations up front. So really we couldn't operate without those kind of partnerships. So partnerships with council is very important to us. Um, we're resident at Oxygen Youth Space, which is um, – so we're a resident company um, with Moreland City Council, so we, we rent the space there. But it's really fabulous to have access to the new Oxygen studio and the whole building for meeting rooms, all of that goes a long way. It saves us a number of operational dollars because we get a really good partnership rate and that that's fantastic. So every dollar we save can be attributed to young people like Nia, young artists. Um, so we also have uh, – so we have many um, Banksia Gardens, obviously. We're working in the real program out there with Viv. We, we uh, respond to need in the community and in that case we're working with younger people than what we normally would and that's um, sort of 9 to 12-year-olds who've um, – um, you know, some students who've been disengaged from school. So we're sending artists out there and it's an opportunity for our younger artists, young dancers have been out there teaching. So they've stepped up onto uh, tutoring roles to be able to work and paid work on those pro. So it's the interconnection between the need in the community and what we can provide. And of course, we need money to do that as well. Um, around Around, we've just done a calculation, around half of the company's funding comes from government um, at those three tiers and about half is actually generated by private income. So by that I mean fee-for-service and donations and ticket sales so that when we do a show which we're doing next year that Irene's directing called The Audition um, at La Mama, we're doing a two-week season where there will be box office earned there so that then comes into the income line. So a lot of our work is really about stitching up that that entire operating budget from many, many sources and, in fact, too many sources most days. So we're trying to reduce down a bit. But that's a big part of what we do in order to provide, I suppose, the number of programs and opportunities um, that we do provide for young people. Uh, I also know that you um, make it easy for family members and people to be able to enjoy um, these life events because... Um, I guess not everyone would be able to afford what 20 or 30 Correct. I think a lot of our work in the last few years, particularly when we've gone into main stage presentation, which we've done, uh, we've done 
three shows at the Melbourne Recital Centre. We've done two shows at the Arts Centre, one in the Fairfax, one in the um, Playhouse Rehearsal Room. We've been at um, 45 Downstairs. We've been over at Footscray Community Arts. We are about to go into La Mama. So in all these environments, um, our audience, particularly from the outer north, is not uh, necessarily always familiar with the independent arts um, theatres or indeed the mainstream uh, venues within, say, somewhere like the Arts Centre or the Melbourne Recital Centre. So our audience development work, we have a a sort of policy that we say 50-50. So we want to attract 50% of a general audience arts patron and also a new community audience so and the more the community audience comes to the work and then gets introduced to other work they become the arts patrons and you keep flowing in and so nobody really gets gentrified um rarefied or exoticized in the, in that environment mm. um so people can come from really different areas or interests and still enjoy the work and we I have to say the work that Irene's been producing in the major projects has a very um, I think even a far broader appeal than what we may have um, may have even anticipated um, so when I came out I always talking to audience at the Arts Centre after Grand Divisions with the big orchestra and all the performers um, it was people aged seven to 70 who were responding equally strongly to the work I think the musical bed that Irene brings is brings such a universality uh, not just in the music but in the text in the stories so you may have someone who's fled terribly traumatic circumstances giving a very stripped back spoken word narrative but it's supported musically in quite a unique way and I think this is unusual work and I think people people have a direct line to those stories in this very universal way so they're thinking about their own lives when they're reflecting on the work. You're listening to Mad Village on 98.9 Northwest FM and our guests this morning are um, Irene Vela and Kate Gillick and Nia Dav, yeah, Dav Adoti, who's a young artist, and um, th- I have so many questions, um, Kate. But one of them is around the young people that you work with. Obviously, part of the part of the goal is to make them see that there could be a career explo- ex- exploiting their talents. Um, so I imagine that once um, a young person. I guess you know the, you you might help them with their skills in terms of learning how to sing, but you also have to help them with their skills in terms of being able to um, run their own little business as well, or something like that. Do you do you also do that sort of work? I think a small per- smallest percentage do that, but yeah, we have had in, um, young people who've begun in our uh, community programs, and then they they establish their own dance company, or they establish themselves as a as an independent artist, and. Um, so that we're really there to provide um, the opportunities and, and give some direction. But people will often, um, who really want to pursue um, a career in the arts or, or part of, they, they might have another job, but lots of artists do, that, that, that they, they want to keep that in a serious way in their life. So that could, that could be running their own business. It could be working um, with other um, interesting artists in, in fringe shows. It could be working uh, within an orchestra. It could be many things. So the pathways are very uh, – the pathways are many, but I think the young people that we work f- with from this area don't necessarily take the traditional pathways um, via the art schools. Yep. Yeah. So in some ways this is an informal apprenticeship, which is very much needed if you want to um, – 
get going with it. Mm. But your focus is not just on professionalising arts. It's much broader, I imagine, yes? It is because I think that we very much, we're very passionate about all people being in able to engage equally within the culture of our city, within the art of the city. And if you look at the northern suburbs, it is absolutely saturated with incredible um, interest in culture. Um, it, it has, you know, what, over 150 uh, different nationalities, people's cultural backgrounds. People have their art anyway. The art is already there. People are engaging with it in, in many, many different ways um, within their cultural life of their family, within their communities. Um, it's very, it's of great interest for us to make those connections and 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 bring uh, people into that um, other arts engagement into theatres and be able to cross over and, and and make hybrid work, I suppose. And Irene, I imagine as a composer, it must must be quite um, um, rich and um, inspiring to be able to share, I guess, to co-create with lots of young people as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I, the the. The fun, the challenge, you know, the whole the whole point of it for me is to support um, to support um, talent uh, and a creative expression wherever it is. So I do whatever I need to do for that to happen, whether it's a dance work, whether it's singing, whether it's lyric, whether it's poetry. Um, it doesn't matter what it is; it could be anything. That my my role is to facilitate that and give it all the ammunition it can it it deserves and that's what i hope will happen with nia in the future i'd love to orchestrate with you some of those pieces and and place them in a in a really beautiful context i don't know what that is that because that that's a discussion we have with each artist <laughs> how do they envisage their work where would they like it how would they like it to be contextualized so that's what i do so yeah. i'm 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 itching to hear another song from <laughs> nia and we, we we're going to do that in a second but Irene, i i want to stay with you for a, a bit more so to ask you a little bit about you um before oup what what were you doing and how did you i guess start your journey into mm into the art well I'm a, I was a, I was a freelance artist for yeah. almost 30 years I think from the age of 25 24 it began earlier actually began when I was Nia's age mm. but when I started to work professionally I was around 24 and um, and that continued till about the age of 50 <laughs> 52 <laughs> and then the last five years have been with um, at urban project so I've certainly you know, live the life, um, the unpredictable life of an artist, which is very exhilarating but difficult as well. And hungry. So, yeah, and yeah, yeah. There were many um, times I didn't have money for toilet paper. I remember, you know, a couple of summers just absolutely – and that's the time when there's no – very little work. But um, so that was my trajectory. But in some ways similar to Nia's, I'm being a bit presumptuous here, but I came from – well, I came from an immigrant family, non-English speaking background – family uh they didn't really support the arts didn't really want me to do the arts um and actively um uh created obstacles for me to pursue what i what i what i had a calling for sorry you no, no, to i was just going to say uh, carol i was um at an event the other day and abdi aden who um is an inspirational uh, speaker uh he was just talking and he said you know when you come in from from a migrant community, uh, you can be one of four things. You can be a doctor, an engineer, a lawyer, or a disgrace to the family. <laughs> That's it. I was the fourth one. That's pretty much sums it up. So, um, and I found not not quite a, a, the same organisation as Outer Urban Projects, but there was Melbourne Workers Theatre. So I had two ways in. One was a, 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 a 
Victorian College of the Arts graduates, musicians, who wanted to open their kind of um, the canvas uh, about what music could be in Melbourne in the 1980s, and that was multiculturalism. So I was brought in as that authentic voice. And then a couple of years after that, um, I went for a kind of an audition with Melbourne Workers Theatre, and they had a policy of positive discrimination. So I was up against a few other musical directors, but they chose me, I think, because not that I I didn't have the talent, but that I also represented an immigrant background. And so I got in. And so in some ways, both Kate and I, our ethos has been pretty much formed by those very early years in the 80s when um, the notion of politics and community and its relationship to art was paramount. And I think we've adapted and been flexible, but it carried that 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 ideology and aesthetic into the work we're making now through our urban projects. Beautiful. All right. My I reckon it's definitely very supportive. Of <laughs> <laughs> Just to put that out there so that you guys know. That's and great so to hear. Know. My parents are great. <laughs> Beautiful. Nia, I'm sure they're listening. <laughs> Nia, I think it's time to um, to listen to another song, if that's okay with you. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, yeah this one, uh, I, I love uh, mythology and fairy tales and... Uh, Uh, just like poetry and nursery rhymes. Um, so this one's actually, the title of this one is Jack and Jill, and it does start off um, how the, uh, you know, uh, kids' story does, um, which uh, hides a lot of, uh, I think, darker bits, <laughs> um, especially, like, things like in this, uh, just the fact that he breaks his crown in the second verse because it's talking, he's it's, they're obviously talking of, like, a, a peasant family and he's gone back and he's uh, gone to his home and he's, uh, you know, t uh, tried to heal his wounds with, uh, like, uh, like vinegar and brown paper. Um, yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> that's basically the song. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'll start on it. Jack and Jill ran up a hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack was like a little lamb, waiting for his sorrow. We used to name the cows that wandered by her sides. They tried to tell us that it always be alright I saw you break your crown your mind began to wonder I saw you break the ground the hole was surely torn her I saw you hit the hill your bright hand soaked the ground I saw her fall and tumble without a sound Jack tried to heal his wounds with vinegar and salt She showed a smile that was sinister and cold Jill, she had lost her will And Jack had lost his mind Both of them now 
they have something dark inside I saw you break your crown your mind began to wonder I saw you break the ground the hole was surely torn her I saw you hit the hill your blood had soaked the ground I saw her fall and tumble without a sound I saw you break your crown, your mind began to wonder I saw you break the ground, the hall was surely torn her I saw you hit the hill, your blood and soak the ground I saw her fall and tumble without a sound Oh wow, that was amazing <laughs> Thank you <laughs> Um, Nia, what, what music do you enjoy? What uh, are your influences? That's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I I love listening to uh, like all music, but um, except for country. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't mind country. <laughs> um, but uh, I I don't. Um, I guess what most people influenced by the music that their parents listen to. Um, so it's a lot of like. Uh, well, I guess my influences music would be more like. Um, I guess like. Uh, I wouldn't really know what to call the genre, like indie or alternative or something. But um, it's like soca music and like reggae and um, also a lot of classical music and soul. And I'm also definitely a very big R&B fan. Yeah. Well, so definitely very eclectic. <laughs> <laughs> Nia, how did you first come into contact with Outer Urban Projects? Um, uh, uh, through my school. School. well kind of through my school um they did a lot of outreach stuff with um schools um in the area but I actually had a friend who decided to go to one of their workshops uh for one week and she was like oh you should totally come down the teacher's great um and the program's free and I was like sure why not um and then it kind of just stuck is that a common pathway just word of mouth people bringing their friends along yeah mm. definitely so, um, Kate, I, I, was, I wanted to ask you a little bit about how to keep an organization like this going. It must be quite challenging because it's like so many balls in the air, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, too many, I think, for small to medium, on the model of a small to theatre medium, small to medium theatre company. Um, obviously, you know, not for profit. Uh, and it's very interesting. Irene and I are about to submit a... Um, a submission today because the major performing arts companies, which they number, I think, 26, 28, um, get 62% of the Australia Council funding and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other companies like ourselves and independent artists get 38% of the pie. And so that has been a 20-year framework that's pretty outdated now and needs reviewing and everyone's been asked to um, put a submission into the current review. So um, we would hope that there'd be a little bit movement, that that percentage maybe starts flowing on a little bit or there's a little bit more flexibility in 
the levels of funding sometimes. Well, I was just going to just uh, add to that, Kate, because it's it's exactly as you describe it, but it's also that these 26 to 28 companies are funded in perpetuity and that's the really important bit of information, that they are forever funded, where the other 38% uh, are not guaranteed uh, any long-term funding. So, so you have to justify your existence all the time as opposed yeah. to those bigger companies that just automatically get funded regardless of the, yes. the quality of their work. Or, Correct. Yeah. And, and per, in perpetuity is actually very out of step with most international funding frameworks as well. So I think that's been recognised within the review context. I bring this up in the sense that it's relevant to your question, Jaime, because the more you have to scramble to many, many sources of money in order to uh, sit at, say, you know, just under a million dollars or whatever your organisation um, level is, um, that takes an incredible amount of energy and time and resource away from uh, the people you're working with, from the NIAs of the world and everyone else, <laughs> because what happens is the focus becomes on servicing everybody else and not the uh, your direct constituents, if you like. And your participants, so it is hard. Um, and increasingly, we we advocate along with um, other parts of uh, the independent and small to medium arts sector um, for this kind of change, systemic change um, that we hope, you know, will will um, will come a bit and give some flexibility, but also. Obviously, we work with the philanthropic sector. We really rely on on those relationships and people really advocating for us in order to introduce us to new organisations. Um, and then, of course, the the fee for service is is about um, being able to um, promote yourselves as a business and and, um, and and charge fees for what you do. So it is very time consuming, and it needs to be less time consuming in order to deliver in the best possible way that we can and that's our job is to is to really fight for those sort of changes as well and and be advocating wherever we can i think yeah. the entire not-for-profit sector would be behind you in that <laughs> i don't think the arts is on its own and um and yeah it's a very competitive environment so why we you know we we do use the word company we are a business um not-for-profit business you're not we're not in for the profit but it's a very competitive environment whether we're going for philanthropic funds or or for government funds you're constantly competing with your peers um in in a, in a very tough way and what's the i mean this is a bit boring but i think it's it's relevant what's the governance model for your company you know how do you have a, a board of governance or a committee or yes we have a we have a board of directors and so we are a company limited by guarantee and we have yeah we have a, a board and um and that is the sort of um top structure if you like of governance and compliance um for us and we've got a terrific board and then we have um sort of subcommittees according to particular areas of work um, within that board and and then we have the staff team and then the, the number of artists and contractors that we work with, yeah. We've just redone our organisational structure. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, uh, you know, I can see Irene like going like, what the hell? But no, the, the reality is that in order to do all of that work on the ground, you have to organise all of these structures. Uh, She's only shaking there. her head, but Irene's also the co-CEO of the company. Uh -huh. So we, we, we have that dual role in relationship to our board and our reporting requirements. And, um, and no, it's no, I was just, oh, I totally get it. I was just thinking about the, the audience out there <laughs> understanding our board and I'm thinking there's so much we could talk about but it's not really that that interesting. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, yeah. Every, as you know, every not-for-profit, you know, has its compliance and, yeah. and its structure. So I know Jaime's interested in these oh, things. No. I know. Well, I think. Now, um, the, the other question that I had, um, because believe it or not, we're actually pretty much running out of time. It happens every time, you know. People come to the show, they, they say, oh, my God, what am I going to talk about for an hour? And then, you know, like... No. In inevitably, in invariably, this is what happens. Anyway, so um, I want to ask you about some of your exciting plans for the perhaps the next 12 months. You know, what are you planning to do? Is there anything new and exciting that we should know about? There's a number of things. We've um, Our doors are always open. So Outer Urban Projects, if people are interested... Um, just get onto our website, um, www.outerurbanprojects.org, and you'll see the many things usually um, that we're doing and also onto the Facebook. If you look for us on Facebook, we're always posting projects. So next year, for example, we have a major um, um, performance in Broadmeadows that we're doing. Um, it's called Hume Studios, and that's really um, getting a whole lot of uh, young participants out of the woodwork. We just had a work in progress on Saturday, so that'll be a performance outcome probably around mid-year. We're doing the audition, which is a very interesting work, which takes the um, the notion of the performative audition and the, the experience of people um, who are auditioning as asylum seekers to seek asylum in our country. Um, oh, wow. It's, um, it's already in development and we've got some wonderful performers Um uh, we're doing that at La Mama, so we're taking people who are um, seeking asylum themselves, who are performing with us, who who have that um, experience into um, the iconic La Mama, um, which is over 50 years old now. So that's very exciting for us. And, of course, we'll be bringing our very eclectic audience with us into that environment. And Irene and I have just returned from... Um, we were at a social enterprise uh, conference in, in Edinburgh, which was really interesting. And then we're, we're looking at developing a residency for one of our works, a community development type residency for to move it on to a, um, a major performance outcome in Athens, um, taking oh, wow. some of our local northern artists um, into Athens and developing um, – a residency pro project um, and potentially doing that work in a, 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 an ancient Greek theatre. Um, so that's exciting too. These things are all on the boil. Um, and apart from that, our community program, which we call Zone 2, which is our free tutorials, which Nia began in, our social enterprise where people are out gigging, our linkages work where we link people with all sorts of other companies and opportunities, that just runs all year so that's that's a constant and then the projects are, are bubbling along as well beautiful and nia what about you what what are your plans i mean I, of course you're gonna go to university but i'm talking about your music specifically what are you um do you always sing by yourself or are you um, also part of some sort of band or? oh i have had people accompany me before um and i have done some work with bands before um i haven't actually had like any sort of permanent uh kind of like band structure or anything like that it's kind of like I feel like I, I, I was a bit of a cliche but I feel like my life is like a constant like almost jam session when it comes to music mm -hmm. so it's kind of like I'll we'll be sitting there and I'll call up a friend and I'll be like hey do you want to do you want to write something <laughs> and then we'll probably just either bring instruments or like um some I have friends who do their own like uh, who do their own tracks and stuff um, and then we kind of just sit there for a while until we get uh, some lyrics or some or some 
like sort of melody down and then maybe we come back to it maybe we don't but um yeah that's kind of what that is <laughs> did you teach yourself the ukulele um yeah I did I have a friend who um plays it a lot she's very musical um and she was playing a ukulele one time and I was like I wonder how difficult that is to learn and she's like it's actually a lot easier than a guitar and um I was like, all right. So I, my granddad um, is, uh, well, was uh, a musician. He taught at a, a school. Um, uh, he taught, he was the music teacher at, a, I think, a special needs school. Um, and uh, yeah, so he uh, gifted a lot of musical instruments and things. Uh um, and one of those things he was always like sending like uh, ukuleles. So we have a couple in the house, and he was um, no. My parents, my mom and my auntie aren't really like um, they are musical, but not in like they haven't really uh, you know decided. Oh, let me pick up a ukulele and learn how to play it. Like they've uh, done some small things, but not uh, daily lying around. And I was like, I might as well since I have a friend who plays it, and we'll uh, maybe we could do a jam session or something. Um, and then I kind of just self-taught. Um, I'm really bad at like learning instruments like in a methodical kind of way. Um, so I couldn't do uh, like YouTube videos and stuff didn't help me. Classes didn't help me. So I decided that I was just going to look up pictures of where I was supposed to put my hands um, and learn songs that I liked until I had a general idea of how to play it. <laughs> Very good. That's fantastic. So are we going to be able to listen to one more song? Oh, yeah. Um, this one I actually only completed. It's still in its kind of rough stage, but I only completed it, uh, I think, two it's days morning. ago. <laughs> no, so no, can we say ago. this is a world first? Yeah. going to hear this first. song? You, people, We're, you're not going to hear this anywhere else? This yeah. is our <laughs> exclusive. I actually, I finished it um, with a bunch of friends Uh where I was just kind of playing the notes over and over again. And I was like, how does this sound? How does this sound? How does this sound? That's how our night went. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it's called uh, We'll Talk About It Later. It could have been worse, I could have lay there for hours. It could have been worse, I could have not had a shower. Well, I just check my Insta feed and stare at people's lives. Wishing that my obligations didn't kidnap all my time. But we'll talk about it later. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later when I'm fine. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later when I have the time there always seems to be something more worthy of my life there 
seems to be something weighing on my mind And weeks fly by like minutes pass with little to be changed And birds don't fly through troubled skies, they hide where it's safe Tasks pile up like mountains made of never-ending strife and, a, and each ascending climb we make feels like walking on spines We'll talk about it later, yeah we'll talk about it later We'll talk about it later when I'm fine We'll talk, we'll talk about it later Yeah, we'll talk about it later We'll talk about it later When I have the time There seems to always be Something more worthy of my life There seems to always be Something weighing on my mind Fly by like minutes pass with nothing to be changed And birds don't fly through troubled skies They hide where it's safe Wow <laughs> That was uh, What's the name of that song, Nia? Huh? What's the name of that song? Um, that one is called We'll Talk About It Later. We'll Talk About It Later by Nia Duff Adoti. Um, <laughs> you're going to hear about her a lot more in the future, let me tell you. <laughs> um, so it was a, an absolute pleasure to talk to the three of you this morning. Uh, Irene Vela and Kate Gillick from Outer Urban Projects and a young artist, uh, Nia. And um, this is all we have time for. Carol, um, just so that we can make the transition to Alex's program, I'm just going to put on a, a song, but our listeners will not be able to listen to the whole thing. But um, it's also, I don't know, an, an artist that you might like, um, Nia. His name is Samfa. Do you know him? Um, look, I <laughs> most likely, yeah. I, I listen to a lot of uh, 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 music and I don't always get the names, but I listen to a lot. So I likely do know this artist. <laughs> Beautiful. Anyway, thank you very much, Kate and Irene. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Likewise. <laughs> and Carol, um, I believe this is your last show for the year? Or? It is. It is. So I wish everybody a um, happy summer and we'll hopefully speak to you next year. All right. So we're going to leave you leave you with Blood on Me by Sampha. This is, is, is an amazing artist. See you all next week. Okay.